The following message, Paul's life is a testimony of God's plan, was based on Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. This message was delivered on Sunday evening, October 16, 2022, to Emmanuel Reformed Baptist Church of SeaTac, Washington, by Pastor Creston Thomas of Christ the Redeemer Church of Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Good evening, good evening. If you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to continue our study um, this evening in Ephesians, and I think we stopped right there in chapter 2, verse 22, so we're going to jump right into chapter 3 this evening. Again, Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to be starting at verse number 1. It tells us in God's Word, uh, starting at verse 1 in Ephesians 3, For this reason I... Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which has been given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ Jesus, which in the other ages was not made known to the sons of men. As it, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Verse 7, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. This grace, has, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal, eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. Let me pray for us and ask the Lord to bless us as we walk through these verses together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Worthy are you, our Lord and God. You deserve all the honor, the power, and the glory. Lord, you created all things. We come here, Lord, to give you the glory for what you have done. Like the song, praise the Lord. Lord, let us praise you today. Let us honor you in all things at this time, even through the preaching of the word. So, Lord, I ask you, Lord, to help me. I am weak. And I need your help. So help me preach your word faithfully, Lord. Let me not err at this time, Lord. But let me, Lord, be faithful to your text. So help me at this time. And not only me, Lord, all of us, Lord, help us. Give us a word this evening that can build us up in our faith, that we can honor you, Lord, this day and for the rest of our lives. So, Lord, we ask you to help us. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. I remember when I first 
started the church in Pine Bluff, Christ Redeemer. I remember running to so many classmates and teachers and friends. I remember hearing so many various conversations. How in the world is Creston preaching? He failed my class, and he was just a horrible young man in my class. And so I just have heard so many things as we began to start planning the church. There's no way that's Creston that's pastoring now. I think that's very similar to what Paul is going to be doing in our test here. There's no way that this Paul, right, this Paul that was hostile towards the people of God, he was hostile towards Jesus, but now he is used by Jesus. Your testimony in this room that are believers. All of us have a broken testimony, and a lot of us would love to kind of just hide it all and never, nobody ever reveal a lot of things of our past. But family, the Christian faith is built up of people that have the past. But the good thing about the cross is that our past, right, was nailed to that cross. And we don't have to bear that anymore. Paul is a testimony of this. Paul is a testament of what God is doing. So we have learned today that God sees what is happening in this Ephesian church. Paul is seeing what is happening in this Ephesian church. But the Ephesian, do you see what God is doing and what Paul sees in this church? God has brought you from death to life. We talked about this earlier in the early in the beginning of Genesis, I mean of Ephesians 2. How God has brought you from death to life. God has made you now one in Christ. Lastly, tonight we will see now Paul is a living testimony of what God is doing. Paul is like now tonight. Look at my life. Okay? You saw you were brought from death to life. You are one in Christ, but, but also now you can even look at my life, what God is doing. And my life is no different. Paul is getting that, but my life is, is no different from your life. That what well, Paul was one that was an unbeliever at one time. Ephesian church, you were an unbeliever at one time. And here, even in Emmanuel, once upon a time, we were unbelievers. But look what God has done to Paul. And what God has done to Paul's family, he has done it for us. Paul is like, my life is broken in sin, but God has made me alive. That, that I was separate from the Gentiles. And for us that are in this room that is not Jewish or we are Gentile, we're separate from one another. But God now has made Paul now one with the Gentiles. And not only that, now Paul is the one that is called the priest to the ones that he once hated. So Paul is encouraging us to, to remember that his life and his testimony is an amazing work of what we learn again in Genesis 2 of God's rich mercy. For us, family, as we get ready to dive into this test this evening, let us be encouraged as well that we get God's rich mercy as well. And by us getting God's rich mercy, family, we can be encouraged. We can be encouraged that he has never left us. We can be encouraged that he loves us, right? A child that is struggling, a child that is struggling, playing a certain sport or struggling in school, and a father or mother come along and say, I love you. 
A father, a mother come along to a child and say, hey, let me help you through this. We get more than that in Christ. That Jesus, right, by his spirit, he comforts those that are broken because of his rich mercy. And so how are we going to do it today? We're going to do it in four points. It shouldn't take that long, but four points. And the first point is going to deal with the Jewish Paul was called to the Gentiles in verses 1, 2, and 3. The Jewish Paul was called to the Gentiles. And the second point we're going to be able to see, the mystery of God's plan was made known to Paul in verses 4 through 6. Then the third point we're going to see is God's power and Paul's calling to the Gentiles in 7 through 12. And we're going to finish this evening off with verse 13. What's going to deal with Paul is willing to suffer for them to understand God's plan. So with that being said, let's jump right into this first part of this. The Jewish Paul was called to the Gentiles. Paul starts off right here in verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. Paul begins with this, for this reason. I'm not a Greek scholar like Rob. But before this reason can be translated in the Greek as thus because of or because so because of. Which all of these interpretations can still communicate what Paul is getting at. Paul just explained at the end of chapter 2 that the people of God are one in Christ. Jews and Gentile believers make up the true household of God. And that Christ has reconciled us to himself. That the Gentiles are just as important and have the same responsibilities as the Jews, believers. And they also must be holy. So after Paul lays out that the Gentiles are part of his reconciled people of God, he now uses himself as an example of a Jewish man loving Gentiles. His life is used to describe the wonderful work or the wonderful mystery of God. That he was a prisoner. And we know throughout Acts that he was taken and escorted, you know, all the way to Rome. That he was a, a prisoner to the Roman Empire. But now he communicates to us in his text that now he's a prisoner of Christ by loving on the Gentiles. His calling of Christ was to build up the Gentiles people with the greatest news ever. The gospel of Jesus Christ. So since the Gentiles are included well, they need to hear this gospel that they are included to. And Paul is the man that's called to do this. And Paul knows that there's no way that he can give this good news to the Gentile without the unique calling from the Lord. So Paul is called here. He's called to be an apostle. And he called to minister to the Gentiles. And so it goes on in verse 2. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which, has, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already. Paul know that the grace don't belong to him. It belongs to the Lord, so he must not keep the grace to himself. But the grace should be proclaimed to others. He would not be a good steward in keeping the grace to himself. But he must cherish the grace and give it to the Gentiles. One person said this about God's grace or God's gospel. 
It's like a parent gives the middle child or the middle son $20 to give to the youngest son. If the, actually the middle son doesn't give the actual $20 to the younger son, he's not being a good steward what belongs to the parent. He was called to give the $20 to the younger son. That the $20 didn't belong to the middle son, but the parent was actually giving it to the younger son. And the same way with the gospel. The, the gospel belongs to Jesus, right? And as we receive the gospel and hear the gospel, if we keep it to ourselves, we're not being a good steward of what belongs to the Lord. He has called us to give the gospel to others. So for us as believers, the gospel that God has given to us is for us not to keep it to ourselves. It's for us to share with others. As we share with others, we are good stewards then. So the gospel does not belong to Paul, but ultimately the gospel belongs to the Lord, but the Lord has called Paul to give it to others. And Paul was given this grace. He was given this calling on the way to kill Christians. Paul wasn't seeking this grace. He was seeking to, to fulfill the desires of the flesh. It was God that stopped him in his tracks. So Paul is trying to convince the Ephesian church that this isn't something he made up. How can I write this story up by my, you know, in of myself? That God had revealed himself to Paul. And since God has revealed himself to Paul, now Paul now wants to reveal the Lord to you. And to encourage you in this. That the insight into the mystery of Christ has to become from Christ himself. And Christ gave it to Paul. Because Paul was on his way again. To continue being an antagonist to the Lord's people and killing and persecuting Christians. So the reason Paul is telling the Ephesian church about himself is for them to have another reason to boast in the Lord. That the Lord has saved Paul from his sins, has called him to the Gentiles, and have called the Gentiles to be a part of the church. So now this has moved now from doctrinal distinctives in chapter 1 that we learned about being reconciled in Christ and how Christ has predestined us. But now Paul is testimony, his life is actually a testimony of how God has adopted him. So Paul is actually moving through this from a doctor, doctrine distinctives in chapter 1 to now in chapter 3. And Paul is testimony that I was dead in sin. I was persecuting the church. But look now, I'm adopted into Christ. And I have been forgiven. I have been reconciled. Family that's us as well. That we are in Christ, we are adopted in Christ. That we are called to, to minister the word, not because of our own works, not because of our own wisdom, because God has called us from death to life. And so we don't have anything to boast about in of ourselves, but we boast in the Lord what the Lord has done for us. So Paul is encouraging us now is that my life is a testimony of what God is doing. That I am a Jewish man now. I'm living my life out with Gentiles. So my life matched my profession. My life matching what the Lord has done in my life. So Paul is encouraging that God's work is transformative. It's just not just talk. That, that my life is a testimony of this. He encouraged him in this. And the second thing we see here 
in verses 4 through 6, the mystery of God's plan was made known to Paul. By which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mysteries of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as has now been made, been revealed by the Spirit to the Holy to his holy apostles and prophets. Paul now testifies of his knowledge in the mystery of Christ. There's a lot of language, too. We're talking about the end of Ephesians 5, when he's talking about marriage, the whole mystery of this, how the husband and wife points to Christ in his church, that this mystery referring to is the same mystery that Christ, Christ was the one that was predestined for before the foundation of the world, right? He existed in eternity past that one day that Jesus was going to come, the second person of the Trinity was going to come and, and, and take the place, right, of sinners. You know, he, he, the sinners, the sins of the sinners are going to be placed on him. And we talked about this greater change, right? And so Christ become this greater change for sinners, that this mystery was already existed in eternity past, that the Father knew the Son was going to come. But now... This mystery that was in eternity past now has been made known. Not just to anybody. Remind me of Matthew 13 when Jesus was speaking the parables, right? He was talking about how for them they were blinded to understand these things. They couldn't understand, they couldn't understand the things of the Lord. And for even for us that have responded to the gospel, we might have to heard the gospel a thousands of times before we actually responded. When did we respond to those mysteries? When God opened our eyes to respond. In the same way we see here in our text here. Now the mystery of Christ. All throughout the Old Testament. It was very rare for people to understand it. But it was all over the Old Testament. God was revealing himself throughout the entire Old Testament. But God only gave a little bit at a time. He gave a little bit at a time. We see all the different types, right? The typologies throughout the Old Testament. How all these pictures point to Christ. How Abel, right, Seth, Noah, Abraham, even with the sacrificing of Isaac, all of these were types. But these types were yelling out to us that, hey, Jesus is coming. And at times, though, we thought that Jesus was going to be able, right? But, but we knew Jesus wasn't able because Cain killed him. Then at times, we thought Jesus was going to be Noah. Can Noah be the Savior, right? He, you saw the redemption of the people in the ark. Can Noah be this Messiah, so this mystery of the Messiah, we've been waiting on forever. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Abraham comes, right? We think he's going to be the Messiah. All throughout the Old Testament, it's like this mystery has been there. But when would Christ come? But now Paul is revealing to us now that the knowledge of the mystery of Christ has been known, has been made known to him. Paul received this grace that wasn't given to the Gentiles and to others, but was given to him. In the Ephesian church, you as a believer are also given this mystery of Christ as well. And for us here at Emmanuel, God has given us this mystery as well. The reason why we understand the things of Christ is because God has awakened us, quickened us. We talked about this in Ephesians 2.1. God has made us alive to understand these things of God. With that being said, Ephesian church, what are you going to do with that? God gave you these mysteries. What are you going to do with that? Emmanuel, 
Creston, what are we going to do with this? If God has given us this mysteries of Christ, and he has given it to Paul, what are we going to do with this? We can run from it. Or we can submit like Paul. Paul is eager to share this news that's been shared with him. He is willing to lose his life for others to know this mystery of Christ. Are we ready to lose our life to share the mystery of Christ? Or our comforts matter more to us? Our stable life matter more to us? Are we willing to lose it all for the sense of to be persecuted for the mystery of Christ to be known? Paul lets us know that he's willing to lose his life. And so Paul's life is a testimony that this is what God has done. He said he has adopted me. He has to adopt me to be able to lose my life for y'all Christians. Because Christians, I don't like y'all. But now for me to be able to lose my life, that let you know the transforming the work of the gospel, that I'm going to lose my life, that every block and every community can know Jesus. Family, this is not a first century conviction or first century teaching that Paul gives to the Ephesian church family. God's word is live, is live and active right now. This is a call for us this morning, this evening. We are called to be able to present the gospel to others. Because what God has given to us, we're proclaiming to how to proclaim the mystery of Christ to the world. And some will respond to the truth by repenting and some will reject the truth. And Paul continued in verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. That the Gentiles are now fellow heirs, not secondary citizens. They are members of the same body that make up the body of Christ. Because the Christ reigns, his church reigns with him. Those are the benefits that we have there with our union with Christ. Since Christ reigns, we reign. Christ is, is, is the one that's above all. And by us being the bride of Christ, we get the same thing that Christ gets. So family, we are not called to keep these things to ourselves. This has always been God's plan. And Paul is a testimony that God's plan is for real. God's plan is truth. Look at my life. You can see God's plan even in my own life. So Paul is calling what's real, but also the calling of the Gentiles is real. In the Ephesian church, you all are a testimony of being called to receive, called by, by this gospel. So if the Lord has given us this truth to many, and if he has called all believers to, to share this truth that has been given to Paul, that has been given to the Ephesian church, that has been given to us, family, we must obey the commands of our Lord. We're called to steward the things of God. Family, he didn't have to give it to us. He gave it to us because of his rich mercy. So family, we must give it to those around us. But family, we can't give it to those around us. Family, we're not even giving it to our own families. We are to start at home. Fathers, I encourage you to, to lead your family well in the word. Wives, I encourage you as well. 
to give the children the word and, and encourage your husband in the word. Children, listen to your family and your parents in the word. We see this in Deuteronomy 6. We are to, all throughout Proverbs, we are to give the word to those the Lord has given to us. Because family, if we can't give the word at home, how are we going to give it to those at work and other places? So family, let us be a people that are stewards of God's word and be faithful to God's word. And what does that look like? It looks different from all of us in this room. We all work at different places. We all drive different routes to work, right? We all go to different gas stations and give different grocery stores. That you are meeting people that people in this room would not meet. And you have opportunities to share with them that will have been shared with you. So I encourage you to give this great news to others, what has been given to you. And that will be a testimony to them that God is steady working in the lives of people. Let me see in verses 7 through 12, God's power in Paul called into the Gentiles. You know, you think about these, you know, the car salesmen, right? You know, you tell yourself, I'm not going to buy a car today. You go to a car dealership and... About seven or eight car salesmen come to the car, and they fight over each other, trying to see who's going to get this sale, right? And they over here like, hey, you know, you don't have to buy one today, but hey, walk with me. Let me talk to you about this car. Let me talk to you about this car. Hey, let me try to convince you to buy this car. Paul here, he's not a car salesman, but, but Paul is just continually going and going and going, and he's trying to encourage them, like, open your eyes and see what God has done. That I am part of God's plan. Family, you are part of this plan as well. So he tells us, verse 7, Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace, God, grace of God given to me by the effective work, excuse me, working of his grace. We talked about it earlier in verse 1. I mean, we're in verse 1. We talked about with um, um, Paul mentioned that he was a prisoner uh, of Christ Jesus. So Paul, it seemed like he's just boasting about himself, right? You know, he's just talking about himself. He's not doing it for himself to get the glory. He's doing it for the Ephesian church to be able to see that. Look how much on his resume to show you that what God has done in his life. It's no excuse not to believe in this God. It's no excuse not to trust him. And the same resume that I have with all these things Paul have, you have the same resume as well. So Paul points us now back to verse 6 on verse 7. That he was called to minister to the Gentiles and our fellow heirs with the Jewish believers. This calling of ministering to the gospel came directly from the Lord for Paul. So Paul even credited the Lord's power that effectively worked in his calling to minister to the, the Gentiles. Because Paul was a total wreck. So it had to be a power outside of himself. And the power outside of himself was the same power that said let there be. Right? The one that created the world was the one that brought this dead man, Paul, to life. And the same God has brought us to life. And Paul is saying that I was that person. I was that person that was a wreck. And some of you might ask, you know, you haven't thought about it. You ever thought about someone that this person right here is a total wreck, right? And you have tried to minister the gospel to them several times, and they would not respond to the gospel. Then all of a sudden, you look up years later, and they're reading their Bibles. And they're reading the Bible, and you're like, what in the world has happened? 
who would ever think that the Lord would save Paul or this person? To be honest, we should be asking it ourselves first, right? How in the world are we saved, right? Look who my past, Paul's past, your past, all of our past in this room. How in the world are we saved? Family, it's because of the power of God. The same power that has saved Paul. The same power that has, that has quickened those in this Ephesian church is the same power that has saved us. And then while Paul continues even in verse 8, To me, who am the less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. Paul is saying, I am the less of all the saints. I was a total mess. So Paul again tells us how he is not worthy in and of himself. That he less than the least of all believers. Friend, this is what encourages me when I see a homeless person outside of my door. This encourages me that that the power of, of the gospel can make alive those that we feel like it's impossible to save. This encourages me that that this person I see before me is just not a person that are just a drug addict. That this person right here was made in God's image. And that this person is a person that I'm no different from. That the only reason I'm here is to proclaim this word because of what God has done. But in of myself, I would probably be right there beside that person. But by the good news of but God, right? I'm here. And so this is encourages me, even with Paul saying, the less, the less, the least of all the saints. Family, we all can look back and look at our lives and say, we can relate to Paul here. <laughs> we can relate to Paul. If somebody in this room only knew, right? If they only knew who I was, we can really relate to Paul. So Paul is guaranteeing them that, hey, this was God's grace that did this. Then Paul can even continue with the message that he's called to preach. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see that is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the age has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. The unworthy Paul is given the most worthy, worthy task to do. He able to proclaim the gospel. There's nothing else better in this world to be able to get the privilege to be able to honor the Lord by proclaiming his gospel. Nothing else. Nothing more important. The greatest thing God has given him is now for him to be a representation of the Lord in a way of to proclaim the gospel. It's to share with the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. It only can be found by the Lord revealing to us Christ. So we can't search for it by our own strength and obtain it by our own strength. We needed the Lord to open our eyes for us to see it clearly, and the Lord done it for Paul. Because this mystery has been hidden in God since the beginning. So Paul was given this mystery, and this guarantee that the Lord is saving Gentile, and this mystery is given to this church. And let me make another point here. Paul encouraged the Ephesian church that he was called to preach to the Gentiles the gospel. And now he's boasting to the Lord Genoa's work. But also this point can be encouraging to us to preach the gospel to our community as well. So ultimately we know Paul is trying to encourage the church of what God has done. 
But also we can take away from this text as well that family, Paul is given the privilege to share the gospel with others. Family, we can share the, we can share the gospel with others as well. Not everyone was going to understand this. Again, you didn't understand it probably first time. We even probably laughed at the things of God before in the past. Only until when God quickened us by his spirit, we responded to the call of grace. So we aren't a people that count everyone out since they haven't responded like us. We minister the gospel gratefully and graciously, knowing that God's going to save who God has set aside to save. Who are those people? We don't know. We don't know. But God gives us the gift to see some of them. And we can see them around the room. But God is saved. But family, for us, as our believers, that we still share the gospel with others around us. And Paul tells us in the Corinthians, he tells the Corinthians, what do you have that you haven't received? What do you have that you haven't received? We received this grace. Right? We didn't earn it, right? We received it. So family, let us not be selfish and keep it to ourselves. And this sharing the gospel is not a it's not limited to our age limit, right? Like this younger generation, older generation. Family, this is for all of us in this room that are believers. That we are all to take this gospel to the nations. So my question would be for us in here. When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? Think about that for a second. When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? When was the last time you called someone into repentance? Family, if it's been months, if it's been years, how we steward God's word faithfully? I understand not everyone is going to believe. I understand that some people are going to mock us. But how will they have an opportunity to respond to the gospel if they never hear the gospel? So, family, may we not continue in our comforts in keeping these amazing things of God to ourselves, but share these things here in this community to those that are around you. Don't be discouraged. People, some people are going to reject. I mean, Jesus preached the gospel to a lot of people, right? And a lot of them rejected Jesus. So, family, if they rejected the gospel that came from Jesus' family, they're going to reject it from us at times as well. So don't let that discourage you not being faithful to the gospel. But we still should be obedient regardless of the outcome. And as we get ready to wrap things up, Paul kind of now goes from verses 10 through 12, kind of teaches us now the importance of the local church and all this. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, the principalities and powers, and the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. With Paul proclaiming the mystery of God's grace to the Gentile, that now the church has been established, Paul's life is a testimony of God's plan being revealed through his life, that now the invisible church in the Old Testament consisted of Jewish believers for the most part, but now the mystery of God saving the nation and the Jews revealed the manifest wisdom of God. That now the Jews, right, the, the Israelites and the, the Gentiles together 
That's part of this manifold wisdom of God. That God was going to save sinners. And family, everybody didn't get this. Everybody didn't get this manifold wisdom. And an example of not everybody getting this manifold wisdom is, is angels. Angels didn't get this. And if the principalities and power in the heavenly places can finally understand the mystery of God, how are the angels understanding the mystery of God? They understand it because of the church. We get what angels don't get, right? So God's manifold wisdom is known. This is the benefit of being a believer. The angels didn't have this benefit. The angels had limited knowledge. God didn't share everything with them. They, they learn of the plans of God to the proclamation of the church. Joel Beakey says this, The angels learn about God's glory as he saves the church through Jesus Christ. Again, let me quote Beakey again. The angels learn about God's glory as he saves the church through Jesus Christ. This reminds me of 1 Peter 1.12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us, that were ministering the things which now have been reported to you, to those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things with angels desire to look unto. Also talks about this in First Corinthians four nine. The world comes to know Jesus ultimately through responsibility of the church. It is the church that's been given this manifold wisdom. There's so much false teaching on evangelism in this world. I argue that the issues, the, the argue that the error is foundational issue with evangelism. I, I think the error is, 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 is really is foundational. The error of evangelism is, is, of error is not a proper understanding of the purpose of the local church. If you don't understand the purpose of the local church, you start doing some wacky stuff with evangelism. People start going out, right? They're not disciples. They're not, they're not been cared for by the church. And for them, they have shared the gospel and shared the gospel over and over again. But for them, they are not having any accountability in their lives. Family, that's scary. That's scary to go out and share the gospel and not having a church to send you out, or a church to be there to pray over you and even to confirm you. Because the local church is what confirms the person that's proclaiming the gospel. The local church is the one to disciple those that, and, and, and encourage those to go out to proclaim the gospel. And the local church is the one that cares for those that respond to the gospel. So you can go out there and share the gospel, and what's going to happen to those that respond to the gospel if they're not part of a local church? They're going to they're gonna be a people that are consumed, right, with all the worldliness around them. So the local church is what God uses to build people up for evangelism. We see this, right? The life of Paul, Barnabas, John Marsalis, they were all commissioned out by the church. Our Lord Jesus established a bond, even as the pre-church, as Jesus sent out some followers that he was ministering to. Before we saw this, like this visible church in Acts, the, the one that Jesus was caring for, Jesus eventually sent some of them out to minister the word. So there's no such thing as someone that desires to faithfully share the gospel and is not part of a local church. 
if you really want to see the nations be glad and be saved, is that you are part of a local church, and as you minister the gospel, though they hear the gospel, they come to the local church, and all of your sisters and brothers love them and care for them and grow them in the things of the Lord by God's Spirit. And I'm not saying that people that are apart from local church, I'm pretty sure people have responded to the gospel and came to know the Lord through someone that's not part of a local church. Many of you in this room might have heard the gospel from someone that might not be in as biblically grounded or whatever the case may be, but the gospel will claim they heard the gospel from it. But what we see here, we see a holistic way how God designed it that by doing true biblical evangelism through the local church, that everything get cared for in the midst of this. Nothing get left out. That everybody and cared for, people getting discipled, um, people getting raised up in the church, people getting cared for. All of these things happen when you, dis- when, when you see evangelism happen through the local church. And that's a God design through the local church. So family, let us be encouraged. We have a church here. Are we raising people up? Are we raising people up? Are we going into the community? And sometimes we might can take a group and go out. Or you might go individually. Family, we should be going to the nations, going outside of here to share the gospel. And let me end with this right here. The last thing we see here, Paul is convincing us on right here, is Paul is willing to suffer for them to understand the gospel, I mean the God's plan in verse 13. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. Paul again wants them to boast in the Lord. In all things. So he let the Ephesians know that he is okay to suffer for them. So Paul is not just talking about the gospel. Paul is okay to suffer for them to hear and be encouraged by the gospel. So he's okay to suffer for the Ephesian church to be encouraged by this great news. This suffering could be willing to be persecuted for coming to them in Ephesus. Or it could be by the Jews who still wanted to keep the Gentiles out within this area of Ephesus. Regardless, Paul is ready to suffer for them. And the word Paul gets with suffering is this losing, right? This losing of comfort. Again, this confirmed that Paul is truly a Jewish man to the Gentile. That he's okay to lose all his comfort for those who know Jesus. It'd be different if Paul was like, hey, I can encourage you, but if I have to suffer, hey, I'm not with all that. Paul doesn't tell us this. Paul says he's willing to suffer for the gospel. So if he's willing to die for the sake of the gospel, that further let us know that he is committed to what he believes. So with that being said, Paul can look at this Ephesian church and say, hey, I love you. And this letter is for you to not forget the work of the Lord and for you to further know how far the Lord went for your salvation, Ephesian church. And your lives should now reflect this work of the Spirit. And later in chapter 4, Paul encouraged the church to be one with different gifts in the church. So this is all leading up to being unified in the body of Christ. But they first must believe what Paul is saying about them and not what the Lord and also not forget what the Lord has done for them. Family, this is for us as well. Paul is encouraging them. He encourages his church at the right time. 
that God is faithful. God has brought you from death to life. You're saved by grace through faith. You're a church. You're a body to Christ together. Now share this with others. And by him doing this right here, Paul is, is letting them know, though, is that this was all a part of God's manifold wisdom, his plan. This is how God builds his church. This is how God establishes his church. It's through dead sinners brought to life, and it's showing the greatest news to others. We want to see things change in Washington, right, in the U.S., and around the world. Family, it starts right here with the greatest news that's been given to us. So let us take this great news and let us be encouraged by this great news. And this great news right here, whatever it's set out to do, it will accomplish. But family, we must give it to others. Let me end with a couple of applications here. Do you believe what the Lord has done and continue to do in your life? Do you believe? Do you believe it? Ways to remember is to read your word daily. I love the Psalms. Reading the book of Psalms is ultimately just seeing over and over the work of the Lord. Family, be committed to the church. The preaching of the word. You know, just on the psalm, praise the Lord. The singing of the word. The fellowshiping in the word. Fellowship with those earlier today. All those things is God's grace for us. We need those things for us to be to continue to be reminded of what God has done for us. When you are separate from those things, when you're separate from the church and separate from we easy to forget the things of God. But it's so good with seeing each and every one of us and and we sharing and we each and every one of us a story what God has done for us this past week, what God continued to do for us. Family, those are the things that God helps keeps his church with. It's his church. Bind it together by his word. So I would say be faithful to the church. Be encouraged by the church. The second thing I want to encourage you on is this. The Lord has done enough to keep his body encouraged. He has saved us from sin. He has given us each other in Christ. He has given us Paul as an example. We have what angels don't have. Family, we can be thankful. It's okay, right? It's okay that we didn't sell this house for what we want to sell it to. Sell it for. It's okay that we didn't get this promotion, right? It's okay, right? Things are not happening as planned. Family, look at all the other things we have in Christ. We should be content of what we have in Christ. We have something that we don't deserve. This is enough for us to be joyful people. They say African American has the highest rate on high blood pressure. And I always say that as Christian African Americans, we should have low blood pressure, right? We should be stressed out, right? The Lord has given us all that we need. And not just that to for everybody that are in Christ. We have a need. What are we stressing about? Why are we so stressed out all the time? If God supplies all of our needs. Family, look what he's done for us. He saved us from our sin. He's done these things for us. Family, we have enough. He's going to continue giving us more. He's going to continue blessing us. So family, yes. Are we going to get anxious at the time? Yes. But don't let that the ancientness consume you. Be quick to be reminded of what God has done for you in those times. Another thing here. What are some hurdles for evangelism for you? Write them down. 
any hurdles that are for, that are evangelism? Why are you so fearful to share the gospel with someone? Write those things down. And if you write them down, find someone in the church to share them with these things you are fearful of. And you all pray, for, pray through those things together. But also find someone else that's in this room that has those same hurdles. And they have kind of overcame those hurdles. And so by someone that's struggled with the same thing that you struggle with evangelism, maybe someone that's in this room that has struggled with that, that overcame it by God's spirit can encourage you in it. So if you're fearful with evangelism, talk to the church. Let the church come alongside you and help you through that. Learn from them in moving forward with witnessing the gospel to others. And I asked the question during the message, when was the last time you discipled someone or even shared the gospel with someone? Family, we should be having somebody under us discipling, pointing to somebody. Every moment of our life, we should have somebody pointing to, we should be pointing to someone. Find someone. Find someone to pour into. Men and ladies, we should be pointing to those that are younger in the faith. How can we expect to, to reach the next generation or seeing those that are, um, that are mature in the faith, we're not investing time into them? So find time to invest into those that are around us. And as we do that, we'll see more people raised up in the faith. And as they were raised up in the faith, now they go out and share the gospel with those around them as well. So let me end here and um, thank you for, again, for this opportunity. May we all be encouraged what God is doing and continue to do through his church. And let's be reminded that God is building the church. And we are part of that manifold wisdom of his plan. Let me pray for us. Lord, we have been given, Lord, so many things in you. Uh, we can't list them all. You have given us so much. But let us not hide these things on a rock. But, Lord, let us share these things with others. Let us be faithful with these things. Let us be encouraged by what you have given to us. That our lives are changed and others' lives are changed around us. So help us be faithful with these truths. Care for us, Lord. Build us up. Establish us. That, Lord, we could be a light of the gospel there, Lord, here in SeaTac. Bless us and keep us, Lord, tonight, for the rest of this week ahead. And, Lord, we pray that, Lord, you bring about people in our path, Lord, that, Lord, we can give them the mystery of Christ, and share these things with them. And I pray that many respond in repentance and put their faith in you. So Lord, we ask you, Lord, to do a work in those around us and build your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.